Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash deathdyingpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today's episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things is also brought to you by BarkBox.com. Get one free extra month of BarkBox at getbarkbox.com slash deathdyingpod. You're listening to the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Just a quick shout out to Daniel Smith for supporting the show on Patreon. It means a lot. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash death dying on other things. Any little bit helps. Now on to the show. It's been a while since I've gone camping. This is even before the pandemic. It's probably been since I was a teenager I've gone actual, proper camping. And it's probably been since my mid-twenties since I've even slept in a tent. That's a long time when I think about how much we went camping when I was a kid. I wonder why it never stuck for me. Maybe I should get back out there. This month, on Death, Dying, and Other Things, a story about camping. In A Dream in the Forest, a man goes to sleep in his tent. Death and dying. The thresholds between this world and the next. The boundary between light and dark. The barrier between worlds. And that's where we're going. We are going into the shadows to bring you stories of horror and heartbreak. From the Modern Horrors Podcast Network, this is Death, Dying, and Other Things. I'm Justin Buskey. Stay with us. never John's favorite thing to do, but his friends insisted, and so he went. They marched into the woods, deeper than he had ever been before, he reckoned, and set up camp for the night. Their first night there was fun, lots of fun. Campfire songs and cooking over an open flame, and lots and lots of drinking beer. He was upset with himself that he'd never done this before. The air was crisp, and he loved the cool breeze tumbling down off of the nearby mountains. He was glad he'd have a few more nights here, out in nature, with his friends. Late into the night, they all retired to their tents and drifted off. John being one of those people who fall asleep as soon as their heads hit the pillow, found himself frustrated that he wasn't falling asleep straight away. He was used to a much louder environment, living in an apartment building close to downtown. Silence is louder, as they sometimes say. Or it might have been the beer. He laid in his sleeping bag for half an hour, listening to far-off animal calls and the snores of his friends around him. 
and then he finally, mercifully, fell asleep. The relief didn't last for long. Within, John estimated, a half an hour, he had woken up again with a rock underneath his sleeping bag, knifing into his fleshy lower back, just beneath his ribcage. He groaned, grouchy because he was sure he had moved all of the rocks from underneath his tent. But even as he thought this, the knife seemed to rise out of the ground a fraction of an inch and impel him out of his sleeping bag. John slid his sleeping bag to the other side of his tent and found more rocks lining the ground. More rocks he was certain that he had cleared before he pitched his tent. What the fuck, he muttered. He moved his sleeping bag again and found yet more rocks. These were even bigger than the ones on the other side of his tent. He placed his hand down on the nylon and was surprised to feel the nylon moving. Each bump underneath the tent, each stone, was sliding around the ground. He scanned through the dark and saw ten, maybe twelve lumps rolling along through the nylon. John unzipped the tent's flap behind him and slipped out into the campsite. Quietly as possible, he didn't want to wake any of his friends after all, John pulled one of his tent's four stakes from the ground. Once the stake was loose, he pulled up that corner of his tent and found it was positioned over a hole in the ground, a foot deep, filled with green beetles the size of his fist. They scurried over each other, attempted to climb the walls of the pit, and were pulled back into the writhing mass by the others. One, John saw now, the biggest, began to vibrate. Its lustrous shell cracked down the middle, and something fleshy and pink showed itself in the void. Further, the shell was spread by the submerging force, and John watched as the pink faded to orange as it was exposed to air. A leg, long and spindly and covered with spines, tugged itself loose from the inside of the beetle's carcass. Then another, and another. Six legs, whipping wildly, were soon free of the beetle's shell. They each found purchase and heaved the rest of this creature's wiry form from its shiny green prison. John beheld the thing, skinny and spined and capped with an awful bulbous head fitted with two eyes. Eyes with whites and irises and pupils. Human eyes. Blue speckled with green and bloodshot. It repulsed John. The creature looked up at him and then spread transparent wings. It bolted straight at his face. John dropped the corner of the tent and stumbled backward through the campsite, shouting. His heel caught on something, and he tripped. He stumbled backward, and soon was tumbling down a steep incline, which surprised him, because their campsite 
as far as he could remember, was not on the top of a hill. He landed hard, heard a crunch, but when he picked himself up off of the ground and dusted himself off, John found himself unharmed. When he looked around, he saw that he was in a deep gulch. Stone cliffs rose on either side of him, and a slow trickle of water ran down the middle, some creek that had cut through the bedrock over millions of years. The stone was pitted, covered by hundreds of small holes, no doubt in John's mind the result of countless rainstorms over the previous millennia. He took a deep breath. The night had been chilly, but down here a warm breeze drifted through the valley in the same direction the water flowed beneath his feet. It carried a slightly sweet smell, but by the time the scent reached John's nostrils, it had mostly dissipated. He turned to face it and felt it caress his bare arms. It tickled his cheeks and he closed his eyes for a moment and imagined where it might be coming from. Maybe some nearby hot spring or underground vent. A sound distracted him. John realized he was surrounded by it. A slow hissing, like the air escaping an inner tube. He knelt down toward the water and tried to find the source of that gentle noise. The creek despite its visible bubbling, wasn't babbling. It was silent as it flowed past him, not the source of the whisper. John straightened up and walked along the creek against the current. The slight hiss mingled with the warm and sweet breeze and reminded him of his ex-girlfriend's hot breath on his neck. He walked for five minutes impelled forward by that faint nostalgia. The gulch's rough stone walls tightened inward as he walked up creek, closing in around him. He paused on a hunch, took a step toward the rock face to his left, and leaned in close. He found that each of the small holes in the rock released a slow stream of air, the exact source of the soft hiss. It startled him. It reminded him of all those countless holes in the sand along the beach that mollusks use to feed. Were all of these holes in the rock the home of small creatures? What could they possibly be eating along a rock face? The ground beneath John shifted, dropping by about a foot. He swung his right leg wide to catch his footing, and it found the slimy rock under the slow running water. His right foot shot out straight ahead of him, his left ankle twisted. He cried out as his ass hit the hard limestone. The ground took on a life of its own. It tipped forward in the direction he was walking. First five degrees, then ten, 
than forty-five. He slid down the slick creek bed toward a dark unknown. He heard a deep bellowing, like a whale's call or a walrus's cry. And then he was enveloped by the darkness. John walked through the sliding door of a grocery store. He was ravenously hungry now for some reason, and could only think of eating. He walked to the section labeled produce, hoping to pick out a ripe apple or banana, but found the baskets full of snack cakes. Chocolate and cream piled high. He walked to the deli and found more snack cakes stacked up behind the glass. The aisles were likewise lined with sweet cakes, and finally he gave in, opened one up, and shoved it in his mouth. It was delicious, maybe the best thing he'd ever eaten, but it hardly affected his hunger. He grabbed three more cakes off of the shelves, stuffed them in his pockets, and opened another, which he again quickly devoured. He walked through the back of the grocery, still holding out hope he might find something else to eat, and noticed that the store was suspiciously empty. He realized he hadn't seen anyone since he arrived. No shoppers, no one at the register, no one stocking the shelves. It was then, during that realization, that he walked past the grocery store's back office. He shoved the last of his second cake into his mouth and glanced inside. There was nothing to see. Though the office door was open, the office itself was pitch black and even seemed to repel the ambient light from here in the store. Wait, what ambient light? John spun around. The grocery store was dark. The lights were off. The shelves were bare. His stomach grumbled. He looked to the far end of the store, back toward the section labeled Produce, and saw a figure standing there. John's heart jumped to his throat, and his face flushed. The thing stood eight foot tall, on at least six legs. Its bulbous head was so big that the thing could barely hold it up. Its human eyes blazed in the darkness, and then it took a step forward. It had to be careful. Its legs could barely support its massive body. It took another step on its thin, spined legs, then another. John tried to move. Though he was scared of this thing, it appeared to be easy to outrun. But he found himself rooted to the spot, unable to take even a step. Behind him, out of the dark office, someone whispered, John. John, another voice whispered. The thing took step after agonizing step toward him. Its legs buckled from the weight of its own body on several occasions. Its feet slipped on the linoleum tile, but it always caught itself and always took another step toward John. Step 
after step. Behind him, he again heard his name whispered in several different voices as the hulking brute reached his side. It pushed him over with one of its hideous spine legs. John toppled backward and hit the cold linoleum floor. The thing pinned him down, and then a slim, slithering proboscis unfurled from its giant head. It ran the wriggling needle up John's body and placed the sharp point on John's temple. John finally found that he could move and tried to fight back, but it was far too late. Each of his limbs was pinned down by a different leg. He felt the pressure first, and then the pain like a splitting headache as the proboscis pierced his skin and skull in one motion. John's friends had finally decided to rouse him when they had been up for several hours the next morning. Breakfast had come and gone, and they were getting antsy to get the day going. Some had decided to abandon John and let him catch up with them, but a few stayed behind. They first shouted to him from outside the tent. All right, your hangover's not going to go away unless you get up and eat something. You can't sleep all day. We're going canoeing. Come on, dude. Rise and shine. They finally unzipped John's tent and found him lying still, eyes wide. John, one said. John, said another. They couldn't tell if he was breathing at first, but leaned in and found him taking only the shallowest of breaths. This episode of Death, Dying, and Other Things was produced and edited by me, Justin Buskey. The story, A Dream in the Forest, was written by me too. You can follow me on Twitter, at Justin Buskey. Intro and outro music is by the prolific Eric Wonky. Check him out on SoundCloud. Special thanks to Canvas and Snack Cakes. Death, Dying, and Other Things is a member of the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. Check out the other shows, they're great. New episodes the second Thursday of every month. This has been Death, Dying, and Other Things, and I've been your host, Justin Buskey. Stay out of the shadows. <laughs>